Hey, so uh, if this is your first time, my name is Blake, and um, it really is just an honor to be here with you guys today. Um, we are we're going through this series that we, we do some version of this series basically every August because it's important for us to be reminded of God's mission in the world. And so uh, this series is, is called Mission All. Uh, it's, a, it's a play on words that we would be living missional lives, lives where we're joining God's mission, each person finding their place in God's mission. And so this is the third week. Uh, we spent one week talking about loving God, right? Loving God. If you've seen our logo, it's like the heart of everything is loving God, right? And, and people can't love God unless they know God, and that's why we go and tell people about God. But, so we talked about loving God and, and how God is this incredible being, three persons in one essence, and, and how that shows his love and how we might mimic that. And we mimic that by loving people, which we talked about last week. And we talked about how he sent his son Jesus, uh, another person in the Trinity, uh, to show us how to love people well, full of grace and full of truth. Not half and half, but all grace and all truth. And so this week, uh, we're talking about loving communities. Loving communities. And we're going to see in Acts chapter 1 how God uses the power of the Holy Spirit living in us to love communities. So uh, if you would, find Acts chapter 1, and uh, we're going to be faced with this question. I'm just going to go ahead, like I'm going to preach the whole sermon in two sentences, and then I'll go back and tell you what that means, right? Because we have God living inside of us, the Holy Spirit, we are faced with this question. Will we be watchers or will we be witnesses? Will we be watchers or will we be witnesses? And we're going we're gonna to go through Scripture today, and uh, we're going to go through Acts chapter 1, the first 11 verses, and we're going to be faced with that question in, in very real and tangible ways. So uh, if you've got uh, Acts chapter 1 found in your Bible, follow along with us. We're going to have it on the screen if you don't. All right? Let's read this together. It says, I wrote the first narrative... Uh, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which, he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. And so when, the, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? And he said to them, it's not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Watchers or witnesses? 
this scene that we read about, this picture that we might have in our mind of Acts 1 through 11, is of these followers of Christ, these people who had kind of persisted through Christ's death on the cross, three days dead, and then when he came back to life, they were the ones who were there who had seen him. And now they're gathering around him, they're listening to him speak, and they're all staring up into the sky. We got a note home from uh, Tinley School this week. I think, you know, all the schools are figuring out how to watch the solar eclipse next Monday, August 21st. And so I think about this picture of Jesus' followers staring up into the sky, and if I'm like, like super modern day jump, right, like that same picture is I think what we're going to see next Monday. Everybody staring up into the sky looking at this solar eclipse. I can remember when I was in elementary school uh, going through some of the same things, right? We, uh, we, we went to watch it at school and all the stuff. And, and so I'm kind of excited because Tinley's in kindergarten. She gets to experience some of those same things. And so I get this note home from school, and I'm like, I'm a learner. That's my greatest strength on the strengths finder, right? So I, I just eat stuff up. So I go, and I'm finding websites and all this stuff about how to watch the solar eclipse and the best ways to do it. And I'm reading through this one site about what kind of eyewear is appropriate to watch the solar eclipse. And quite frankly, I was like, this is crazy. Like the the amount of depth that they're going into to, you know, watch the solar eclipse in in a healthy way. And I found myself, right, somewhere inside of my spirit, I found myself saying, this is crazy. This is like... I'll just watch the solar eclipse. I can manage whether or not my eyes are being burned by the sun. Like, I'm just going to watch the solar eclipse. I don't, like, there's no harm in just watching the solar eclipse. I convinced myself, right, somewhere inside that, that just gazing at the sun wasn't going to hurt me. It couldn't hurt me, right? But unfortunately... I think what we fail to realize is like, just like if I, if I watch the solar eclipse without some of those goggles, like my eyes are going to be burned, right? Like there's going to be effect and damage done to my eyes. And I think what we don't realize too often in our spiritual lives is, is just like these followers of Christ were gazing up into heaven. It was a good thing, right? Like Christ is going up into heaven. Like imagine being able to say, I was there when Jesus ascended into heaven, And just as they were gazing and just as they were marveling at how great God really was, these angels come out of the sky and they're like, what are you watching? What are you doing? He just told you what you're supposed to do. What are you doing? In other words, if you don't go, if you just stand here and continue to to gaze into the sky There's going to be harm to you because you're going to stop living in obedience to what God is calling you to. You know, in in our world, we have this day next Monday where we're going to be gazing at the sun, S-U-N. But I think there's a lot of times that we get caught up gazing at sin, S-I-N. We get caught gazing at, at sin And just like when I was reading through the description of the glasses that I needed to watch the solar eclipse, thinking, I'm not sure I really need all this protection. We do that. We gaze at sin in this world. We we set our eyes on injustices and wrongs 
and we're telling ourselves somewhere subconsciously in the back of our minds, this isn't going to really hurt me. It's not going to really hurt me if I just continue to, to watch divorce. It's not going to just continue to hurt me if I continue to sneak a peek at that girl in the bikini. It's not going to hurt me if I just continue to watch this sin. And, and, and let's just talk about for a minute, right? It doesn't really affect me if I just continue to, to watch what's happening in Charlottesville. It's not going to really hurt me, right? Like, nothing really hurts me. Nothing, nothing's really changed in my world. So I can just gaze at sin in, in our world. I can just gaze at poverty. I can just gaze at addiction happening in our world because it doesn't really affect me. We get caught gazing. We get caught gazing. And much like those angels follow Jesus, right? They come out of the sky and they're like, what are you looking at? Right? What are you looking at? What are you watching? I believe that God is saying the same thing to many of us as we choose to continue to gaze at sin in our communities. We should be repulsed. Repulsed by the hatred that was expressed by white supremacists yesterday. The idea that white people are superior because of their race is it's a lie from Satan. And yet, I as a white person find myself gazing upon it. trying to make sense of it, sometimes paralyzed by it, while my, my, while my minority brothers and sisters are left sitting, sitting in the fear of the hatred that is left behind. And I find myself thinking, I can gaze at sin, and I can, I can justify it, and I can think it's not really hurting me, but sin kills, sin destroys we must be careful that we aren't gazing at it because it sucks us in. It's important that we see this picture from Charlottesville. It's important that we gaze at it. It's important that we take it in. But it's more important that we take action. Are we a watcher or are we a witness? And what's the difference? Anytime we face sin in our world, we must be reminded of the truth about God. And as we read Acts chapter 1, we realize that God is a God who doesn't give us pictures to gaze at. He is a God who gives us power to act. God gives us power, not pictures Read with me, if you would, verse 8 from Acts chapter 1. Jesus is speaking to his followers when he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. You see, the power of the Holy Spirit comes to us as believers, and it pushes us out into the mission the, the, the power of the Spirit powers us and pushes us. We read about this in passages like 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says this, 
For Christ also suffered for sins once for all. He did that by dying on the cross. And it says, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. The cross, the bridge from sin to salvation. He was put to death in the flesh. Right? His body died upon the cross. His nails were driven into it. But made alive by what? The Spirit. You see, as we think about this mission of God, we must remember who God is, and that's why we began this series talking about the Trinity, three persons in one, self-sacrificing, loving one another, teaching us how to love. And we saw that in the flesh through Jesus Christ. But what's more is that He doesn't stop there. He gives us the Holy Spirit who has the power to give and bring life even from the dead. He writes about this power of the Holy Spirit again in Romans 8, chapter 11. And he says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then He who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through His Spirit who lives in you. You see, the power of who God is is that when Jesus was dead, it was the power of the Holy Spirit, the Trinity working three persons as one that brought him back to life. And as the song goes, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. It lives in us. And that power is pushing us out. It does not allow us, as the, as the followers were standing there gazing into the sky, watching, marveling at how great God is, it doesn't allow us to stay and to gaze, but it pushes us to go. And to witness. That's how we love communities. He's pushing us out. For the disciples, he's pushing them out from Jerusalem, from their, from their place of origin, to Judea. He's like, go a little further. Get out in the region. There's people that are out there that are waiting to hear the good news of the gospel. And he says, but if that's not enough, let me push you to Samaria. And that was like a dirty word, right? Like Samaria. We got to go over there where they're not like us. Where they don't think like us or talk like us or do life like us. You got to go to Samaria, right? So there's like some shock there. And then he says, if that's not enough, you got to go to the end of the earth where Jesus has never even been heard of. So what does that mean for us, Christ community? Jerusalem means that we will continue to, to serve and love Shelbyville, right? Two weeks from now, we're going out. We're going to go serve. We're going to, going to do that. We're going to tell them why because of Jesus. We're going to continue to, to encourage one another here. But what does it mean to, to go to Judea, Christ community? It means that just as we sent out a group of people to plant a church at Midland, we must continue to to find pockets and neighborhoods and communities that are without the gospel, that have no hope, that maybe sin is rampant in, and we must continue to send the church into those places. And when we say that, that means us, because we are the church. We must go be the church. Then we think about Samaria, that place where they just don't do life like we do, where it's all different. And I think about Honduras. I think about Sparrow Missions and, and how they help us and, and how we help them in being the church in a culture that is nothing like ours, where they don't speak our language, where they don't eat the food that we eat, where they don't do life or, or you know, live on the same time clocks that we live on. And I think about Samaria. 
And I think about the ends of the earth. In about two weeks, a small team of us will go to Indonesia, and we will begin uh, this partnership with uh, underground church planters in Indonesia who are planting churches in places where Jesus' name has never been heard. They have no idea that, that this guy came and died and that the Holy Spirit brought him back to life so that they could live in freedom, so that they, didn't, they don't have to try and figure out how to make their lives better themselves, but, but that they can be free and they can be unlocked from their sin and that they don't have to be stuck in all of this just nasty sin. They've never heard that. And that's what it means to be a witness to the ends of the earth. You know, I think uh, it's a really interesting phenomenon to watch how smartphones and social media have changed our lives. It's just super interesting. Like, I want to live 300 years from now and hear what they have to say about the rise of the smartphone. Because in that, we've come to this point where we value the picture of everyone gazing up at the sky and Christ ascending more than the hard work of going. Like if you think about the Instagram post that you would post about Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, everybody wants the picture of the light shining and the angels and us gazing into heaven. They don't want the picture where they're having to sit there with distraught faces and think about, how am I going to go to Samaria? Like, Snapchat that, right? And yet we realize that the mission, the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit is given to us for that moment and not for this one. We are given power not to, to end up with a lot of Instagrammable moments, but rather to be going, to be bearing the reproach. But too often our lives are defined by the Instagrammable moments. We are living as if whoever ends up with the best Instagram profile at the end of life has won. I don't really want to go on the whole mission trip. I just want to go long enough to get that picture with the cute kid, right? I don't really want to have an entire day where I'm investing in my kids. I just want to play with them long enough to where we get one picture where they're smiling and I can be like, dad win, right? I've done it. We've probably all done it. We figure out where the camera is on the roller coaster so that we can make sure our face is ready for the picture, right? We're seeking that experience is worth sharing. We're looking for the pictures, and, and we're not living for the power. But God gives us power. He doesn't give us pictures, and, and we must stop living life for the pictures and start living life with power. He doesn't want to give you a book full of snapshot memories. He's giving you the power of the Holy Spirit to be changed for your life to look different and to become a change agent in your community and in communities around the world. When I think about the Matt Bergens of life, they're making a difference in people's lives when they sit across the desk from someone, not when they go out and have a photo shoot, right? Not when they do something that's really appealing. So what are you? Are you a witness or are you a watcher? Are you a witness or are you a watcher? And what's the difference? The only difference between a witness and a watcher is that a witness is bold enough to testify to the truth. 
A witness is willing to stand on what is true and to say that to other people. I think about the story of Peter. Jesus tells them this here in Acts 1, right? He ascends back up into heaven. And then the Holy Spirit comes. That promise of the Holy Spirit, he, he comes and he, he fills the people with power. It's a crazy thing, right? There's, there's tongues of fire and, and the, the power of God is, is seen and manifested in ways that, quite frankly, I've never seen. But the, the power comes and, and no one can deny it. Thousands of people are gathered together in this place. And, and for a moment, they can all speak in the same tongue and in the same language. And, and who stands up? Who stands up to be a witness? Who stands up to testify to the truth? It's Peter. Do you see the irony of that moment? Here's the irony of that moment. Peter was the same one who, as they were on their way to the cross, was asked, do you know that man? Peter, do you know Jesus? I thought I've seen you. I thought I saw a picture with you and Jesus. Peter says, oh, not, nope, quick, delete that off my Instagram. I don't want him to see that I was with that person. Peter had been a watcher. He was one of the disciples, sure. He was in, like, he was, he was in Jesus' little club of three guys, like, Peter was, he was awesome. He, he, was, he was in it. But in that moment, he was a watcher, right? He said, nope, I don't know him. I don't know him. But when the power of the Holy Spirit came, and when it filled Peter, and when that place was, was impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter stood up and said, I will be a witness. I will tell you what this means. It means that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and he did that and he came back to life by the power of the Holy Spirit and he has given you that same power. Will you be a witness? Will you be a witness or are you just a watcher? Do you like tagging along with Jesus but when it comes down to costing you something, you'd much rather be a watcher? Jesus shows us, even in this passage in Acts 1, three ways to be a witness. And I want to go through those really quickly. And I want you to be asking yourself that question again and again and again. Am I a witness or am I a watcher? Am I a witness or am I a watcher? Jesus, show me by the power of your Holy Spirit, am I really invested in the gospel? Am I really willing to put my neck on the line? Am I really willing to stand for the truth? Or am I just here to watch all the amazing things that you can do? We see the first one in verse 1. Luke is the author of Acts, and he says, I wrote the first narrative, Theophilus, which is Luke in Greek, about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Jesus did things, and he taught, right? And, and in his journeys, he would, just, he would go to all these places. He went to Jerusalem, he went to Judea, he went to Samaria, he went to these places, and he would serve, he would do, he would take action, and then he would teach. And what I love about Jesus, right, we talked about him last week, full of grace and truth, is he just did this as he went. Jesus is God, right? He has all the knowledge in the world. If there were a class that was taught by Jesus, sign me up, right? Like, he could have said, I've got three years of ministry. I want as many people to sign up for the, you know, Jesus on Life 101. It's a three-year class, and you get an awesome degree at the end. 
He could have transferred all of that knowledge, but instead he went and he served and he taught as he found moments to teach. He taught through parables. He taught by helping people see what was right and wrong in their decisions. And I love that about Jesus. And we, as witnesses, are called to do the same. It's a way that we are a witness, to do and to teach, to do and to teach, to teach and to do. So when we see sin, maybe we see sin in, you know, at our kid's school. Our kid comes home and asks us about a situation and we, and we see sin. We have an opportunity to do, to teach. When we see things in our culture, we have an opportunity to do and to teach, to serve and to teach. When we see things like we saw yesterday in Charlottesville, we have an opportunity to do and to teach. And if we don't do what we can to uproot the sin of racism in our own hearts, to uproot the sin of racism in our community, to uproot the sin of racism in our families, then we are wrong. And if we don't teach those that we have influence over, if we don't teach our kids, if we don't teach others about the sin that we see in this world, then we are wrong. We're watchers. We're watchers, not witnesses. Jesus did and Jesus taught. The next way that we can be a witness is to suffer. In verse 3, Luke writes, After Jesus had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Hebrews 13, 13 says, Let us then go outside to him, bearing the disgrace. Bearing the disgrace. You know, next week we've been challenging our church to bring one person with them that's far from Christ, one person that they've been praying for, one person that hopefully they've been suffering with. Because here's the thing. We want to be a witness. We want people to know Jesus. But too often we are unwilling to suffer with them first. Even more so, we're unwilling to suffer for them. I'll help you, but as soon as it costs me something, I'm out. I'll help you, but if it's going to be an inconvenience for my family, I'm out. Notice when it says Jesus presented himself alive after he had suffered. He presented himself alive to them. We must earn the right to speak by sharing in the suffering of those we care about and of the communities we love. You find out what kind of Christian you are when you lose something. When you lose a job, when you lose a friend, when you lose a family member. Sometimes when you lose those people, it's to actual death, and sometimes it's to sin dividing us. But when you lose those things, you find out what kind of Christian you really are. Who are you in those moments? And how do you suffer if you suffer with self-loathing, you might have your hope and your faith anchored in the wrong thing. It might not be in Christ. We must suffer with those that we serve if we hope to share with them the good news and the power of God. So he did, he taught, he suffered, and finally Jesus sent. We come back to Acts 1.8, right? He says, you will be my witnesses. And he sends them to these places that he had once been in. 
right? So as Jesus went from Jerusalem to Jesus' Samaria, as he was in these places on his journeys, he saw the injustice, he saw the sin, and when he had opportunity, he called it out and he made it right. But he also knew that as he left those places, there was more to be done. That he couldn't do it all in, in that one moment. And so he sent back us as witnesses to these places. And if we don't live by the power of the Holy Spirit, if we don't continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus in, in the face of sin, then we're watchers, not witnesses. Jesus didn't leave people alone. He sent back his best to those places. In Christ's community, that's our hope for our church. And that's our hope for the vision of Christ's community. That as we see injustices in our region, as we see places that need the hope of Christ desperately, that we would plant churches that defeat sin in those communities. Enough gazing. Enough just watching what God is doing. And he's doing great things, right? Enough of just watching what he's doing. Let's start being witnesses. Let's start living by the power of the Holy Spirit instead of looking for a chance to take a picture of all that he's done. Let's not get caught gazing at sin. Let's not get caught gazing at, at poverty and trying to justify it or, or rationalize it or blame it on the person. Let's not get caught gazing at addiction and saying, bless their heart. Let's not get caught gazing at cultural Christianity. Right? It's really easy to, to get caught gazing at cultural Christianity, of, of this idea that, that we can just be a part of the crowd and it's, it's better for you if you go to church in the South. Let's not get caught gazing at the idol of leisure, that we just want to do what we want to do, right? That we should just enjoy all things for us. And let's especially not get caught gazing at the sin of racism, thinking that it's not about us, thinking that we weren't a part of it, thinking that it doesn't affect Shelbyville, Let's not get caught gazing. Instead, let's be witnesses. Witnesses that, that do and that teach and that serve every chance we get. Witnesses that suffer for the sake of Christ. Witnesses that keep sending people into communities and neighborhoods to plant churches that are lights in the darkness. Can we see it together? Can we see a group of people going to Wadi or to Taylorsville or to Eminence or wh wherever because sin is everywhere, right? Sin is everywhere. Shouldn't the light of Christ be shining brightly in those places? We're not talking about church buildings. We're talking about communities of people that are changing communities because of the power of God living in them. Yeah, our mission at Christ Community from day one has been love God, love people, love community. But as we continue to pray and seek God and as we continue to move from a position of being watchers to witnesses, we realize that it's not just about our community, it's about communities. It's about our Jerusalem, our Judea, our Samaria. I really don't care how many churches it takes. It really doesn't matter because we are called to fight against sin and death and darkness. And we do that all one person at a time.
Who will you be a witness to this week? Who can you serve? Who will you suffer with? Who will you teach a truth about the gospel? Will you wrestle with where God is sending you? That's all I got. I don't have a fancy ending today. Just a little bit of passion spilling out. (laughs) So the band's going to come back, and um, we're going to pray. And as we pray, we want to invite the power of the Holy Spirit to change us. See, the real difference, the, the moment that we move from being a watcher to a witness is when we allow the Spirit's power to change us. And so if we sit here and we think that we're okay and we've got it figured out, then we're, we're missing out on the opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to, to work in and through us. So we're going to respond to the gospel, and, and I want us to do that by, by wrestling with the Spirit, right? Wrestling with Him. God, what do you want to change in me? I want to challenge you. Don't come up and celebrate communion until you've wrestled with that a little bit, all right? Like, just don't do it. But when you do, know that that you're coming up to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You celebrate the resurrection by remembering his death, his body being broken for you, his blood being shed for you, for us. If you're new with us, the bread is everything free, right? So if you've got a question about that, it's okay. It's not going to do anything to you. But you come up, you take a piece of the bread and dip it in the juice as a baptized believer in Christ, being reminded that you are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got people in the back who would love to pray with you if you don't know if you even have a relationship with God. Maybe as you're praying today about where you are with the Spirit, you recognize that you're a cultural Christian. You come to church because it's the easy and the good thing to do, and you've never known the power of the living God. If you have fear that you don't know God, Don't let this moment pass you by. Go and spend time with Dave and Jen. Pray with them. Invite the Spirit to show you who He is. Let's pray.